Hello there, cat people. Dan the Catman here. It is a Thursday evening in early October, and welcome to... Why am I telling you that? What do you care? And welcome to episode 29 of the Shelter Cats podcast. And we're going to Brooklyn tonight. Well, not really, but I'm speaking to a wonderful rescue from Brooklyn. The Shelter Cats podcast, ready for my intro? The Shelter Cats podcast is my labor of feline love. All about the shelter cats that have saved my life, that have influenced my life. All about the people, be they rescuers or trappers or shelter directors or fosters, that have made a difference, big or small, in the life of a shelter or a homeless cat. All about those people, and I hope will serve as an inspiration to get you to help shelter cats as well by adopting, by fostering, and by not shopping. Adopt, don't shop. Right now, as I'm speaking to you in my Brooklyn accent, I think I have one, but some people have told me they don't hear it anymore. Right now, there is an amazing cat in a shelter, in a foster, in a rescue. In your town, where you live, no matter where it is, dreaming of being your amazing shelter cat and saving your life like my shelter cats have saved mine. So go adopt, don't shop, and if you have one, get another one. Get a third if you have enough room. Because they do well when, they're, when they have friends. Most of the time. <laughs> um, so, episode 29, I'm speaking to a wonderful rescue person from Brooklyn who is very, very new to the, to the game. Very new to rescue. She's only been at this for a year. She is Layla, and she goes by the name of Brooklyn Rescues, or BK Rescues on Instagram and TikTok. And she just, like, through, through a very tough, heartbreaking story, she was inspired and, and driven to just get in there, get certified as a trapper, and make a difference for the lives of shelter cats in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn, which is a very, you know, very... Um, crowded, tough, tough, influential part of Brooklyn. So how do you find me? Because I want to hear your stories as well. The wonderful thing about how this podcast has evolved is I'm able to have conversations with so many rescues in in Brooklyn, in Philadelphia, on Long Island. New York based right now, but I'm, I'm, you know, we'll be having other, other, guests from other places in the country, in California, North Carolina, um, in other states as well, Tennessee. But, you know, there's just Brooklyn, New York, Long Island is such a concentrated area with so many people and so many homeless cats. So I've had the honor and the privilege to be able to speak to so many rescue groups that are in there day in, day out, trying to make a difference, trying to get these cats off the streets. And, 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 and TNR or Homes for the Friendly Cats. So I want to hear from you too, because I want to hear your story. Even if you just have an amazing cat that you want to gush about, because we all think our cats are amazing. Mine are better, but you know, you might think yours are better. So you can find me on the web at tylerthecat.com. My email is dan at tylerthecat.com. The Facebook page is Shelter Cats. The Instagram, TikTok, Threads is Shelter Cats Podcast. The Twitter is Shelter Cats Pod. The YouTube page 
where I'm, I'm doing, you know, kind of videos of the audio of the podcast, but they're doing well. The YouTube is Shelter Cats. I do a Medium blog every Saturday, which is sheltercats.medium.com. And you can support the podcast on Spotify, look for the dollar symbol, and Patreon by searching for Shelter Cats. You don't have to support it, but if you do, I can get better microphones. But even if you just listen and share the show with your friends, that would be support enough for me. So with all my preamble out of the way, tonight's guest, today's guest for episode 29 is Layla. Layla goes by the name of Brooklyn Rescue, BK Rescue. She's a new to the game rescue. She was in Borough Park in Brooklyn, which is, you know, a, a, a different animal in terms of where she is now in Bed-Stuy. There are different, different cultural aspects at play, different outlooks, different opinions on, on cats and whether, how people feel about cats. Um, so now she's in the Bedford-Stuyvesant or Bed-Stuy part. Why did I say it that way? The Bed-Stuy part of Brooklyn. She is part of a wonderful network of fosters, of rescues, of trappers. She learned from a wonderful trapper. She's now in teaching and imparting what she's learned to newer trappers. And most importantly, she's made a difference in the lives of a good number of cats that otherwise may have gone sick, may have had more kittens, may have contributed to the population explosion. She's in there, she's fighting the good fight, and she's making a difference. And she has wonderful insights into, into how she got started and just what is going on with, with the state of the homeless cat population in, in Brooklyn, particularly, but you know, in New York City proper. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Layla of Brooklyn Rescues. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show, finally. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we could make it. We've been trying for what, 17 years? I'm so happy oh, to goodness. finally have you on the show. So, um, all, all kidding aside. Um, so, the, so welcome to my Shelter Cats podcast. I've forgotten everything we spoke about on purpose because I wanted <laughs> to hear it fresh when Great. we were when we were actually recording. So yeah. um, the whole part, my one of my cats just jumped on me. Hello. <laughs> so so um, I have feline staff. The whole point yeah. behind my podcast is to kind of give voice to people that have benefited the lives of shelter cats, homeless cats feral cats, colony cats, in any way. So to start, can you introduce yourself and how you got into how you got into Cat Rescue in Brooklyn? Sure, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Layla. I am a rescuer based in Bed-Stuy. Um, I, I only moved here about a month ago. Before that, I was rescuing in um, another part of Brooklyn known as Borough Park. Um, you know, the, the dynamics are totally different in these two areas and um yeah it's it's really i really dove right in um when i when i when i started rescuing um just sort of accidentally fell into this um there was a cat that i was taking care of 
um, when I first moved to Borough Park. And um, again, do you mind if I if I just um, I just need to close the door? <laughs> no problem. Perfect. This is not a completely scripted show, so <laughs> gotcha. foibles are welcome. Awesome. Yeah, so I started taking care of a colony of cats that were right outside my window um, in Borough Park when I moved there about two years ago. And um, one of them fell sick very suddenly and then just kept getting worse and worse and no one was getting her care. Um, she didn't have any shelter to stay in. Um, and I, I literally watched her crawl into a hole in the wall. Oh God. Um, and when I posted a video of her doing that and the conditions she lived in, you know, people were horrified. I think that video reached like thousands of people very, very quickly because it was so awful you know um yet no one did anything to help this cat in the end um her name was miss andrew um she's she was one of the sweetest friendliest cats i've ever encountered um and i had been planning on trying to find her a home Uh, she clearly did not belong outside she's very affectionate um you know she would wait for me she'd come to my house and wait for me at the steps <laughs> even though Aww. i didn't regularly feed her she pets she don't want food she wanted pets um oh yeah she was really it, it was life-changing to meet her and I, I fell in love with this cat and i could see her being a happy cat someday you know in someone's home um and finally getting the love she deserves and as I'm working out all these things, trying to figure out how can I get her into a rescue, you know, who can help her? Cause I'm just an individual at this point, just a pet parent who found, you know, cats to take care of. Um, and mine was already very sick. So I couldn't really bring in another cat. Mine was also immunocompromised. Um, um, so, you know, Miss Andrew just was so, loving it really struck me there were other cats in her colony but she really struck me as um someone who belonged indoor and so when she started losing fur and having this like bleeding sores everywhere you know i was like really alarmed yeah and actually the people who were feeding her stopped feeding her because she looked so scared because they were afraid to i'm sure contract anything or bring anything home um so I started to reach out to people, reach out to New York City Feral Cat Initiative and any rescue I can find. Um, and everyone told me the same thing, you know, get certified as a, um, as a TNR certified rescuer. Um, and some pe- folks offered traps, but I needed to arrange for holding space um, where she could recover. I needed a way to get um, a vet's appointment, um, which would of course not be subsidized unless I was a rescuer. So making all these things happen was, it was really challenging um, for someone who wasn't familiar with this sort of work. And so I finally did it and I went to trap her that day. Um, And I even got a call from New York City Feral Cat Initiative um, 
<laughs> sorry, my my feline friends are also <laughs> being rowdy. No, the, I love I love I love that as the background noise. It's very appropriate. <laughs> he's trying to open the door with his hands. <laughs> Yeah. I, I feel I feel like he's trying to contribute to the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He always tries. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you forgot this part. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Um, so Miss Andrew, I you know, she I got everything ready for her. She had a vet's appointment, um, a place where she could stay, and I went to get her and she wasn't there and someone told me that she had been put to sleep. Oh, God. The day before. And I was shocked and I broke down there because I didn't see this coming. I knew she was sick, but it looked like, you know, something external, nothing serious. Um, and then someone told me later on that she had um, sepsis and had um, bacteria in her blood, which is pretty awful. Um, and the vet said there's nothing they could do. It was too she was too far gone. Um, and that was sudden because I had seen her the day before. So she had declined very suddenly. Um, so who, who trapped, did you trap her? Did someone else? I trap didn't her? trap her. I think she must've been so sick that the feeder, um, right. who doesn't okay. have a trap. I, I was told that she only had a carrier. So someone must, must've grabbed her and put her in a carrier because she is a friendly cat. But she was difficult to even uh, administer flea medication to. I tried. <laughs> um, but she was, you know, she had been out there for years and years. So a little skittish. But, um, you know, that's the story of Miss Andrew. And um, it was a preventable death. That's how I, I, I usually um, think about it. She, if she had better living conditions, her the, that skin infection wouldn't have become so serious you know right um, right how long ago went, was this um that was exactly a year ago so last september oh wow oh recently yeah yeah and since then i have rescued and tnr'd um over 25 cats i don't know how many over 25 <laughs> about 25 wow um, so this is real. you've really been doing this for only a year oh yeah it feels like a lot longer because i really I started to rescue suddenly after, you know, when I couldn't help Miss Andrew, I just thought all this, all these like little pieces that I had to align. So I said, now what? And so my goal is to never let another cat on my, pass like that on my watch. Um, and, you know, I, I blame myself to this day, but I, I know that I didn't know how to help her at the time but had i done had i gotten through it faster you know maybe i could have saved her but you but you but you tried yeah you at least and, tried and that i think that's when you said you shared the video thousands of people looked and nobody yeah so few people responded at least you tried yeah you know i i i think i think there if there's a bright spot is at least you tried and in her memory look at what you've done in the year since yeah, I really dedicate everything that I've done since to her. Um, she's taught me so much about being brave, standing up for them, being quick, because it is life or death, you know. Um, you think that they're, they may be a little bit sick, someone else will step in, but usually you are that someone for them. That's what I learned. Um, 
and um you know since then i've i've met so many people so so many i've, I've met a you know network of people network of rescuers that i have connected to who support me and you know i support them and it's a little community actually the the brooklyn rescuers are kind of like a small town of right. people yeah I've, everyone knows each other i i've learned that as i've as i've uh, you know had the honor of, in, of interviewing them. So going back for just a second, did you did you grow up in Brooklyn? I I grew up in Brooklyn. I wasn't born here, but I, I did grow up here um, and, and spent my college years in the city, and then came back to Brooklyn after that. And did you grow up with with cats? I didn't. No, my I encountered the very first cat. Um, one morning I just heard this, these cries and I went to check what, what it was in the, in the alley behind my house where the trash was capped. And I found a tiny kitten who started crawling up my leg <laughs> and that oh, was oh, it. Oh. And, and you were, that you were hooked. Yeah, exactly. And that cat was the one that was very sick for a long time. Um, he was the one, um, he's the one that started all this. His name is Cookie. And now he's this gorgeous, gorgeous um, gray and white kitten who's like living out the the years that he, um, basically the time he lost as, as a kitten being sick. And uh, there was no way he was going to live had we not gotten him um, treatment for what he had, which is called FIP. Um, yes, yes. And that's a, you know, it's like a black market drug that the FDA hasn't approved, but it works. It increases their chance of survival from 0% to um, 80%, which is a big deal. And I, and I thought to myself, I'll take that chance. Yeah, for sure. And it was awful, you know, not knowing whether it's going to work or not. Uh, but he is a testament to the fact that it works. Um, and he's the one I took a chance on. And I just, I, I look at him and it's incredible what you can do if you uh, put in a little bit of care. You know, the state he came to me in was really, really awful. Um, there was something very wrong. But um, that's my introduction to um, the cat world. <laughs> so you started in Borough Park. Um, I started close to Borough Park. So I was in Kensington, which is the neighborhood over. Um, and then I moved to Borough Park after, a year after I found um, the FIP kitty. And for people that are not in Brooklyn, how far would you say is Bed-Stuy from Borough Park? Because I know they're basically oh. two different worlds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like, I would say they're like opposite sides of Brooklyn at this point. Okay. It takes about 45 minutes um, by car to get to. Um, okay, yeah, that's what I, that's what I, I grew up by Coney Island. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so I, you know, I actually delayed moving to Bed-Stuy for a while because there was no one to take care of the colony cats that I had um, started to care for. Um, the ones who survived um, Miss Andrew. Um, and it's a really rough area, honestly. There, there isn't another rescuer um, doing the work in that area. And there are many reasons for that, but um, you know, 
the fact is that there isn't anyone covering the area. Um, well, and yeah, go ahead. no, no, and um, by that you mean Bedsty? Um, no, Bedsty has about seventy plus rescuers. We have a oh. community of rescuers, but Borrow Park. Oh, Borrow Park. Okay, has no one. I mean, I did, that is why it took so long to get help for Miss Andrew. I couldn't connect with anyone because no one was doing TNR in that area. And and why do you think that is? Is is it uh, the like a cultural thing in the neighborhood? Why do you think, think that like you know forty five minutes in one borough of one city? Why do you think there's such a a, a traumatic, a, a a huge difference? What it, can you speculate? Um. Yeah, certainly. I've tried to figure this out myself for a long time. Um, you know, the year that I spent rescuing in Borough Park, um, I had to ask myself that question every single day because why, how on earth did I end up with <laughs> all these cats who need rescuing? Um, and as kitten season kicked in, it was like it was raining cats and raining kittens. Right. Um, so I would say there is a, there's a cultural aspect to it. Um, there is, there's also like a um, lack of TNR coverage. So even if there was, I think there was like some TNR done in this area from, from, you know, um, from my research uh, that went into Miss Andrew's care, um, I found out that there was someone doing TNR in the area, but that was 10 years ago. And so there hasn't been anyone doing TNR, no record of anyone doing TNR. And what happens is that, you know, cats really just multiply their, their reproductive cycle works against us. Um, is, and is over it, time. Isn't yeah. it in, in four to six months, a kitten could have kittens. Am I correct? Yeah, by four months of age, they can start reproducing. And a cat who is lactating and has just given birth can still get pregnant. Is that not crazy? <laughs> it doesn't stop them from, from reproducing again. They're still, they're still kittens. My, my Mona, who's literally sitting next to me where I'm recording, she was a 10-week-old kitten. And to think in such a short period of time, she could have had kittens of her own. We've seen it, you know, it, and... It, it's just it's wild. In a blink of an eye, you're 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 out of control with kittens having kittens having kittens having kittens, kittens having kittens. Exactly. And over time, it just gets harder and harder to control that population. Um, and it, you, all, what you get is an explosion of um, cats in concentrated areas um, where there hasn't been any TNR done. So, um, I cleaned up my my block. I got all of them TNR'd and then I slowly expanded, um, you know, whatever areas I, I could reach out to. Um, a couple of blocks from my house, I once in a while would get, you know, uh, people reach out to me with um, kittens that were found, sick kittens who needed care right away. And so, you know, my, my plan to TNR in an organized way wasn't always... Um, sustainable I, I had to um kind of abandon the plan and take in whatever cat needed me at that point um and that's one of the issues you know you, you can't that it, 
the rescuing, rescuing complicated cases really takes away from the TNR um, because that's more of a methodical, um, you know, we're going to, it's more of a larger scale difference. Um, so I try to balance right. my time between the two, you know, rescuing um, and then adopting out friendly kittens versus TNR, doing TNR of feral cats. So you operate independently. I operate independently. Yeah. So when you, so you're the cats that you care for are in your home. Um, no, not or, always. So or, I or. rescuers like me, um, have to sort, sort of, um, operate at the level of organizations. So we have to have fosters, a network of fosters who will take in the cats that we rescue. Um, and, you know, I am connected to others. I'm, I'm, I work independently mostly, but I am connected to a, a community of rescuers, um, especially um, locally um, sort of gathered community um, of rescuers in Bed-Stuy. Um, we call ourselves NARN. Uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's something like Neighborhood Alliance for um, Animals or something. Um, and I have, I'm really fortunate to have that support here in Bed-Stuy. Um, and so we help each other. So if someone can, if I don't have the space, you know, space is always an issue. Um, right. I have cats who need to be separated from cats who haven't been vaccinated and have just been rescued and brought in from, uh, from the outside. And uh, sometimes it gets really scary. Um, you know, I bring, I brought in a cat who was, we weren't sure what was going on with her. She was very sick and um, it could have been something very contagious. You know, we had no idea. So you have to keep these cats separate. You have to quarantine them. Um, and that's one of the, one of the ways that I think a lot of people can help, you know, if you have, if you do have an extra room um, and you want to work with a, a rescuer like me, it makes a really big difference. Um so, again, going back to how I do this independently, I have to find fosters. Um, thank God for social media. Um, you know, sometimes people will reach out. I'll post about a cat and um, people will say, oh, that's a really cute cat. And I really want to help this cat or, you know, I feel bad. And um, I do have a room. And why don't you, um, why don't I foster this kitty and that's how I started, you know, that's how I started adopting out, fostering out cats. Um, so that way I can rescue, let's say 10, 12 at a time, and they can go to foster homes. Um, otherwise it's not sustainable. Otherwise you end up with a home where you have, you know, 20 something cats in one room. It's just, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a, it's a hoarder situation in no time. Exactly. It's, it's a thin line. So it's, it's only been a year. How did you, how did you start? So um, Miss Andrew, is that the name? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it could have been very easy for you to just say, I can't go through that again. How did you, how did you like pick yourself up, dust yourself off? I hate that phrase, but how did you, how did you then, what was the next step? How did you get started? Where do you, where did you, how did you come across this network? I'm assuming Facebook or Instagram. What yeah. was like, 
What was your first step? How did you get going from that um, point? I, I was really fortunate. Someone had another rescuer who was in Sunset Park, um, a, you know, like one or two neighborhoods over, had responded to my plea for help because I was contacting everyone trying to see if someone can help this cat. Um, and so she had, you know, she had already a lot going on and everyone's overwhelmed. Um, right. All the rescuers are, you know, constantly overwhelmed, perpetually overwhelmed. So she had offered help, but she wanted, you know, me to kind of do it by myself. She wanted to sort of enable me to do more on my own, which is, um, you know, I really do respect that. Um, unfortunately, I maybe I didn't reach her um, soon enough, but um, she did stick around, you know, so she, right. um, Andrew passed and she worked with me. We have been working together ever since. And she really mentored me. That's great. I, I would love to say that I, I did this by myself, but I, I didn't, you know, um, and that's something that's so valuable. The experience that comes with it, it is a hard thing to navigate. You, you are just a citizen one day and then you've seen all this suffering and you can't turn away and you just have to stumble in the dark and figure it out. I, I have, every other rescuer has. Um, and that's what I, I hope to do for others. You know, um, I, I really do enjoy working with others, teaching them how to trap the cats, how to care for them, how to care for the colonies. Um, and that's where you can make real impact. I think after Miss Andrew passed, I had a really hard time, but I felt such passion. And I just that's, that's great know, that like, that's great that it didn't leave you. No, I just felt more passionate than ever, and I felt brave. Not, I was scared for her up till then, but you know, I thought, had I not been so scared, I would have. I would have been able to take action quicker. Um, and when I say brave, I do mean brave. I've, I've gone up against people coming at me with hammers. Like it's, it gets intense. When I say rescuing, it, it really is like middle of the night, tiptoeing around people who don't want you around and right, who don't right. want, want the cats around. Um, it's all tough, kinds of it's, situations. It's a tough neighborhood for sure. Yeah. And that continues to be true even in Bed-Stuy, um, even though I do have that support network. Um, and I'm learning so much from them, of course. Every single day, you encounter a new case. And we kind of distribute the cases amongst ourselves, whoever happens to be closest, whoever happens to have the resources to take on. Um, and I didn't have that in Bar Park. You know, every single case was mine, of course. Right. No, it's, it's yeah. so really, really, it just like you became part of a whole network of people that do what you do. And, yeah. and it, it's just wonderful that you all kind of help each other and teach each other. So did you become, uh, this is an, another thing I've learned recently is becoming certified as a trapper. Did you become certified? Yes. So when, when Miss Andrew, when I thought Miss Andrew still needed to be, um, rescued I in a rush became certified um you know there was an online sort of I found a way to get certified online through the ASPCA rather than waiting 
Um, so the Neighborhood Cats is the organization that holds certification workshops every month. I had missed one and the next one was going to be pretty far away. So I found that ASPCA has um, an online virtual sort of certification process. I did that. And I could still, you know, at, at that point, rescuers were, a lot of vets were not uh, working with new rescuers like me. I also don't have access to ASPCA free spay and neuter appointments. Um, and a lot and why, of people don't. Why is that? Um, so when the pandemic happened, ASPCA shut down um, a lot of their, a lot of their, um, they, they reduced the number of um, spay and neuter appointments that were available. They slowly opened up those services, but um, what ended up happening is that they didn't have, they already don't have enough appointments to serve all the rescuers who are certified. So as new rescuers get certified, they you know, they felt that it wasn't, it wasn't really useful to have new people certified because they didn't have enough appointments to begin with. Right. Um, it's a little bit of a strange reasoning on their part, I think, um, because what ends up happening is that I, rescuers like me don't have access to those appointments. So we end up paying out of pocket for, um, and, you know, slightly reduced prices at private vets. But at that point, when I started rescuing, I couldn't even get, I couldn't even work with um, certain vets. A lot of vets told me we're not um, working with new rescuers at the moment, or we're not starting new accounts with rescuers. Um, and so, you know, we didn't have the ASPC appointments. We didn't have um, the vets to rely on, uh, the low-cost vet appointments. And it, it really was really difficult for a while. And slowly they've opened up um, places like Park Slope Vet Center have opened up. Um, and I think Faithful Friends is another one that um, rescuers rely on heavily. Um, so they opened up their doors to new rescuers. Um, there are lots of barriers to becoming a rescuer, but the first one um, is a pretty reasonable one, which is becoming certified as a TNR certified rescuer, which is just, you know, um, it, it's just a lot of information that is packaged into a workshop where you kind of just learn how to care for a cat how to trap them, how to, um, how to handle community relations so that the cats don't suffer. And it's really basic stuff. And it sounds more complicated than it is. I wish, um, that's one thing I would, I would do differently if I look back. I would have become certified sooner. Um, I think that would have made a difference for, for Miss Andrew and all the other cats who came after her. Um, but now you that, are. Yeah, that connects you to a lot of resources, um, you know, not as much as I had hoped, but you still find a way. There, there are doors open for you once you get certified. How long does that process take? You did it all online, you said? Yeah, it takes literally, I think, less than two hours. It's just a video oh, okay. tutorial. Um, problem is that 
you still get to line up having a car to transport the cat, having a trapping experience. If you've never done it and you're handed a cage, um, that's really, that's a scary place to be in. Um, And, you know, it is a life. (laughs) You don't want to just trap willy nilly. Um, But that's what I had to do at the time. Um, And over after after Miss um, Andrews passing, I did learn little by little. Um, but working with another TNR certified rescuer definitely made a big difference for me. That's great. So you were able to kind of tag along with that other person and kind of learn yeah. learn that learn learn the right way to trap, and I guess the wrong way to trap. Yeah, I think that. Um, this rescuer really, I think she was as affected by Miss Andrew's passing as I was. And she really um, dove in um, and kind of held my hand through all of this and helped me um, clean up the colonies that were on my block. That's we'll um, have to have her on the show. Cause she sounds yeah, like a she's wonderful... amazing. She's her name is Rose Martin and she's a, a rescuer in Sunset Park. Um, I've I heard the a, name. I've heard the yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. She and I did a, an episode for the NYC um, Rescuer Alliance. Yep. Um, John Lynn was on the show. Yeah, exactly. So she's she's my mentor. Rose is my mentor, and she's really um, helped me with everything from actually getting me a trap <laughs> to how to trap and how to care for the cats. Um and how to maintain community relations. That's such a big part of it. Um, Yeah, and it depends on what area you're in. Of course, you know, community relations means something completely different in Bed-Stuy versus um, in Borough Park where, yeah, often the cats aren't wanted there. So, and you said since in the past year, you've, you've been able to TNR 25 cats? Yeah, and if I had a steady space like a basement or some, you know, some space where I could have the cats before and after their their spay and neuter surgeries, I would have done so much more. There's always more that I can do, but lining up the resources and making the logistics happen is the most difficult part of TNR. Is that because of Brooklyn? Or is it just because of what, what, why is that the most difficult barrier? Why do you think that is? Um, it is space. And that is part of that is being in New York and never having enough space. Um, and part of it is like with TNR, you want, before you trap the cats, you, you have to have, space that's safe and um temperature controlled so you're you're not putting the cat in like a garage where it's going to overheat um and because during after their surgeries they're really vulnerable to um temperature fluctuations they can't regulate their body temperature so they do have to be in a temperature controlled um space and you have to watch over them and make sure they recover because it is a procedure you know even though and and they are generally um under general anesthesia so it it does involve a bit of recovery 
And that takes a few days, I assume, right? I've for, heard as much as males, seven days. Uh, for the males, it is um, one day. We try to trap the day before an appointment um, or, or sometimes two days before the appointment. And then the day of the appointment. And then after that, one day of recovery. And after 24 hours, you can release that cat. But if it's a pregnant cat or it's a female um we generally, even if it's not pregnant, we generally give them at least two days, two to three days. To so, the, so the first night, they're always really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are a little loopy, but um, we have to watch them really carefully, of course. Some of them are not. Some of them are that this is when we find out whether they're friendly or not. Sometimes we think it's a feral cat and you come back and it's like purring and <laughs> wants to play with you um so they, all kinds of reactions from the cat uh, so of the 25 how have any found homes of course yeah i've had at least um i'd say 12 more than more than that i think oh um, so, so about homes so half of them basically yeah <laughs> that's awesome okay cool yeah. cool so, so half found that's still obviously everybody wants to do more, but that is something to celebrate. Half found homes Absolutely. and 12. Okay, so half were TNR'd, but wow. think of the dent you put in the population just by that alone. Oh, yeah, just, just by that alone. That is, I mean, thank you so much for, for thank you, Miss Andrew, for, ins, for inspiring this because you know, without, without that, uh, obviously, horrible, you know unfortunate experience i had i have a colony in my backyard and yeah. i lost the mayor frank to fip earlier this year oh, um, I'm so sorry. It's literally it's and i i i've heard of it i wasn't aware of it i had it's fixed... a tough one to diagnose it really is and um with for with a feral like that it's really hard he was fine one day um he had a distended stomach all of a sudden in the blink of an eye it's like wait a minute it's quick. FIP is known as being quick and the cat goes downhill super fast. Uh, but with a feral like that, it's especially difficult because you can't do the daily injections. You can barely touch a feral. Um, yeah, you know. he was he was untouchable. I had to yeah. with um, I don't know if you've heard of John DeBacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is he's more Long Island based, but he does trapping basically 24 seven. I don't think he sleeps. Wow. Um, <laughs> He does so. He's helped me a few times, and he's wow. much skinnier than I am. And I'm not. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I guess, slender-ish. But he's like half. You know, he's like tall. He's like a tree. So yeah. my guy Frank had gotten under the, under the front deck of the house, uh-huh. through a hole, and even though he was in a very bad way, he still fought every second of being trapped and it was still too late. So I understand it's like in the blink of an eye and that it inspired you to, to keep going and you, you, you know, you've learned these skills. So my, my next, my next to last question is, can you explain like how you, how you do trap? So now you've learned, you've, you've worked with like wonderful people. You're part of a wonderful network. So you get the call, like the bat signal in Brooklyn. You know, <laughs> yeah, we it, get the bat signal from an app of some sort, maybe Facebook, maybe, you know, maybe next door, maybe an email. You know, or somebody texts you. You know, it's it's the cat symbol, not the bat symbol. 
Um, (laughs) You know, you see the light, a cat is in need. I will go. (laughs) I will go. So how do you, how do you do it? What's unless, unless it's a secret, how do you, how do you trap the cat? Somebody, somebody says, Hey, Layla, there's a, a black cat on East blank street. How do you do it? What's the process? Well, um, so what happens is if the cat's in really bad shape, we improvise and we figure out how to get to them as quickly as possible and how to line up vet care and transportation because the cat trap is enormous. It's a three feet by um, one feet wide um, cage. So <laughs> it's pretty awkward and I'm only five feet. So it's a pretty awkward thing to to run around with and you can't really walk a block with that that's like 16 pounds plus a cat that's 16 pounds you know that that's a lot yeah or even 10 pounds um and going up and down the stairs and going into basements to for when you have the cat in um it when you take the cat to the surgery and back it's a lot um and that's another reason why this process is a bit painstaking and it takes a lot of um, little pieces to line up um and but you said, so, and you yeah. said sometimes and you said sometimes they don't always, they don't always want you there as well yeah no, not everyone is going to want them there people are sometimes afraid of the sick animal sometimes people just don't like cats for whatever reason you know um and so what we end up doing is sometimes people will just give away cats Honestly, I know a lot of rescuers who just happen to find sick cats on their doorstep. People will dump cats because if they know where you live and you're a rescuer. So we do try to keep it somewhat uh, on the down low where we are located. Right. Um, In fear of finding dumped cats and kittens, which is, you know, so heartbreaking. Um, I, I myself have gone outside to find a very sick cat who was in heart failure someone i just dumped him he was in bad shape they just figure you'll handle it yeah i mean it's possible we don't know what happened but it's possible someone really cared for him for a long time and had no resources to care anymore um you know i try not to judge but it is heartbreaking nonetheless um and I've also gotten calls and texts from people who say, so-and-so gave me your number. And um, I have, uh, oh yeah, this is a real one that I got. Um, someone said, uh, there, come, you can go pick up a, a cat who's sick on so-and-so street. And I showed up, someone handed me three spray painted kittens, painted red. Oh God! Never. In a milk crate, and yeah. I was not prepared for this. Isn't even those cats were not even the ones I went there for. So I had to find that one. Um, and he was like, if I hadn't received help from like the kids who were playing on the street, I wouldn't have found that sick cat either. So you know, you show up with like one carrier, and turns out you need three. <laughs> and that's that's the story of rescue, really. You're always improvising. You never have enough resources and you just make do. So it's more, so it sounds like the actual trapping of the cat is the easiest part. It sounds like the logistics of, the logistics of, of having what you need to trap, having where, where to go, Mm -hmm. having, having the the vet that'll take you in 
exactly. It's, it sounds like that's it's like a whole it's like a whole shipping department. It sounds oh, the, yeah. the, the actual getting the cat into the trap. It sounds like that's the easiest part. Am I wrong? Oh yeah. At once you've got if so some in some cases if the cat isn't super sick, we'll get him used to eating at a certain time. Um, or we may even put the food in the trap so the cat thinks, oh, this is just furniture <laughs> and just gets used to it. <laughs> um, that's called trap training. So there are so many ways to go about doing this, making this easier for us, for everyone involved. Um, you know, and sometimes, honestly, sometimes you should never try this at home, but sometimes we just hand grab them. It's happened. <laughs> I can't say it hasn't. Is um, there? There must be like... I feel like I would be, I don't, I don't trap very much. Yeah. I, I colony care more than trap. That's I feel like, I, I feel like I would be too impatient with trapping. Is there a, <laughs> do you feel like you just want to like get them in the damn trap when sometimes you know, it takes a few days, like you just said, of getting them used to things. Is there a feeling yeah. of imp- impatience that, that comes I over you? A, I am a very impatient person, but honestly it gets easier as you do it. Um, in the beginning, I was out all night trapping in my car. Um, now I don't have a car, so it's a little bit more difficult, more challenging to haul traps around and go back for the cats when it when you fail, let's say, the first night. Um, so now it's a little bit, it's gotten easier, thankfully. So it takes me like, my record is like five minutes. I literally put the trap down last week. Uh, last Thursday, I think, and before I turned around, the cat was there. <laughs> Thankfully, right. they, they, they should all, they should all work that way. <laughs> I know, I know, and it was great. You know, the cat was fixed, no drama, and returned on time. Um, and he has a regular feeder. It was perfect. And it's not always this perfect. It's usually a, a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, or you want multiple cats and you get the mom and you don't get the kittens or you don't get all of the kittens. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a game of patience for sure. Um, this is the only thing that I can do with patience (laughs) when it comes to cats. I have the patience. Yeah. I guess you just, you have to have the patience. So, so you, you hear there's a cat that needs to be trapped. You assess the situation you arrange the logistics of trap of, you know, some community relations, maybe, maybe give out cookies or something. Um, uh, And, and then, you know, vet care and then get the cat into the trap. And then it goes to like, you said the night before, once you trap the cat, it goes, there's the night before foster or wherever it's, wherever you have space in my bathroom let's say i have a space set up for it um goes in my bathroom uh where it can be isolated and then the day after he you know, had the car lined up i had a ride lined up um off to the vet gets spayed and neutered i pick him up the same day bring him back to the bathroom to recover while i you know nurse it back uh, make sure he's comfortable eating um and yeah, that's that's about it. We keep them covered to keep them calm, keep the, the cages covered. Um, if it's a friendly cat, then you've got a lot on your hands and you're starting to look for a foster. Um, and if it's a cat who has more complicated things going on, um, 
you're starting a fundraiser. There's no way to do this without a fundraiser, unfortunately, right, unless right. you've got lots of money at your disposal. Um, uh, and that's, that's another thing about rescuing. You know, you really have to function almost like an organization. You've got the network of fosters, you've got the network of donors, and it, it comes with so much more than what I ever thought. Um, rescue and, and, entails <laughs> and now that you've now that you've established you do have vets that offer a discount for the for what you need done yes some um some of the vets um and we now have two low-cost um vet clinics including um the cat cafe the brooklyn cat cafe um rescue clinic and the flatbush cats um clinic which just opened up spay and neuter clinic only um and so those are the two main places those are the cheapest options we have um because they do have grants and stuff that helps them reduce the cost but even then if on average a cost the cost of spaying and neutering a cat at these clinics um, ranges from 110 to 150 so that's that's a that's a lot. So per that cat. so that's that's with the discount, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And a kitten or kitten or or adult? Um, with kittens, you've got to get then sets of, you know, sets of um, Shots. vaccines. Yeah, vaccines and dewormers, and they're often sickly, so you might have an we might need antibiotics, eye drops, all kinds of things. And that is much more complicated. Also keep in mind, they're not gonna be adopted right away because they're still small. They may need to be with mom or just um, growing up in a foster home for a little bit. So that's a time commitment. And that, that is a resource. It takes much more. I, I've had a kitten, um, a litter of kittens handed to me <laughs> along with mom and it took I think seven eight months for them to all finally find their um find their homes and thankfully wow. Rose Martin the rescuer I mentioned earlier um, took this litter off my hands and took care of them and I just I'm just so grateful for that because then I could continue doing TNR um, in, instead of um, like investing all my resources into getting those kittens ready for adoption. It just is a lot more complicated and requires a lot more money for sure, a lot more fundraising. Right. And kittens don't go back on the street. You try to, you try to, you try to socialize yeah. them and get them home. If they're a certain age, we can do that. Um, but that also requires a foster who um, maybe may want to learn how to socialize kittens that's a whole new problem <laughs> you know someone who i've done it i i do it myself uh, socialize kittens i actually ended up adopting two that um <laughs> i <laughs> they they came to me at 12 weeks um six weeks is when they that sort of socialization window closes um it gets much more hard, difficult to socialize a kitten past that age if they haven't had any human contact. Six weeks. Six weeks. Um, but these guys came to me when they were um, 
12 weeks, <laughs> which is pretty far along. Wow. And they were hissing and they were spitting and they didn't want to be touched. <laughs> and now they cuddle with me at night and they, they sleep next to us, of course. <laughs> that's, you, you see, that's, you're, you're like, you're like super, super, <laughs> super foster, super, super mom. That's, it's, yeah. It, there's, there are systems. People, I've taught the systems to people, um, you know, the socialization sort of process and it's there are others who have sort of created this template of um, courses um, and, and it's so such an invaluable resource that I, I often walk my fosters through so that anyone willing to put in the time and the effort because um, it's a daily process socializing kittens um, and sometimes it takes months uh, for these guys th that I ended up adopting, it did take months um, before they were touchable. And <laughs> um, look at them now. <laughs> exactly. So, so now, so now you teach what you've learned to other people. So, how, so have many people kind of reached out to you? Because you you said in 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 Bedside where you are now, there's mm -hmm. a lot more of a network of people. Are are have you seen new people kind of start at where you were a year ago, say, and, and you've been able to teach them, which I think is wonderful, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the things I really enjoy doing, um, you know, even trapping basics. That's, I love that stuff because, you know, once you get good at the trapping, you can then pass on those skills and it's tips and tricks like that that really make a difference. And um, yeah, I, we, I just worked with another rescuer who, who, literally just had her first rescue um she found a, a friendly cat we were trying to figure out if it's a male it's a female you know so it's um it was kind of nice to have that for once be able to help someone else walk through these these difficult um first steps that's awesome. yeah I, we definitely work with new rescuers coming into our um our community of narn rescuers the bed rescuers and I, I assume you have a day job <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know there's a way there, I need something to fund the rescue work I do and most of us right. rescuers have um, full-time jobs and or they were in school and still doing this and we have families and yeah it takes <laughs> up your whole life but um, you know I think most of us think about the cats that we're caring for and think about the ones um, hurting outside, you know, who need us almost every day. It never stops. Right. I think, I think that's what, you know, I know the education, educating the community that are not like, um, that are not in it 24 seven in the weeds that just like animals, but don't do anything about it. I think they, they're understanding we all have day jobs. I have a day job. This is mm -hmm. not my full time. I wish it was, but we're not there yeah. yet. So yeah, you know, ev think... everybody's got a life and this is a second life or even a third life on top of yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, there, no one, I, I know one person who does it uh, full time for a living <laughs> and she does it through like social media. I don't even know how. Um, but right. only one person that I know is a full-time rescuer, but most of us are just regular individuals trying to find some ways to fund this very expensive hobby of helping cats. And, and social media is how you do your fundraising. 
a lot of it is social media. Sometimes I do get word of mouth um, referrals and um, even my fosters who just want to help in, in any way they can. They may both foster and donate um, and donate supplies as well. That's another way of helping. Uh, but I think there's, there's so much that can be done. Even if you are super busy at work, you but you want to help trap sometimes but you want or you want to just transport the cats um that is an excellent way to help and donating is a a big resource you know Uh, it really kind of powers the engine that that rescues so how do people find you um people can find me on instagram Uh, my instagram handle is bk rescues um and yeah, I'm also on TikTok and YouTube with the same name, same handle. Awesome. And, and, and people could donate to you through that? Yeah, there's a link on my, on my bio, in my bio um, to all the ways that you can help. Awesome. So the, the last thing I like to do is I like to give, I'm going to give you the floor for as long as you want. Uh-huh. Um, what is your biggest biggest piece of advice or what do you want to say i'm going to just shut up and give you the floor the, the biggest thing you want the biggest message the biggest thing you want to get across to some somebody whether it's advice or anything the floor is yours yeah i think i'd like to i'd like to remind you that the cat who is suffering out there that you know you're you're you may be looking for someone to help them but it might be you. There's a very good chance it's you that they're waiting for. Um, and there is, there isn't anyone else there. And so all it takes is that decision to, to help that decision to step up and say, yeah, that's, I'm their best hope. And you may not know how to help them, but you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to help Miss Andrew and, and look where I am. And people do come and it, it works out. It works out. But you do have to decide that you're that person who's going to step up. That's, could not, that, that couldn't be more true. Listen, in, in Miss Andrew's memory, um, thank you. Every, thank you for what you do. It really feels like you've been doing this for longer than one year. Um, when you said a year, I was, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say five, 10, you know, that you've been able to do that in one, in one year. And you're part of a wonderful network of people that want to help. I, I, I have, when I had John Lynn and, um, Megan from Greenpoint cats and uh, puppy kitty, um, they went on a, on a, on a whole thing about, just, you know, everything that's going on in New York City, the five boroughs with the homeless cats. So the fact that you've jumped in, that you're part of this, this battle um, to try to help these homeless cats. I, my fifth and final foster fail is a 13-year-old um, death row from animal control. Oh, that's wonderful, though, that and we were able to get there. With hours to go. He's literally, he just jumped in the chair that I was... Um, oh that I, I got up for a second and now he's sitting in my desk just chair. I love him. He's a 13 year old kitten. His name is Taylor. Aww. He is, he is, and it's like, he's always been here. And my, my other four 
all rescues accepted him like instantly. That's really and, wonderful. And he had a horrible, you know, he was kicked out. His whole family died. It was like a whole thing. And he shot down in the shelter and I just looked at his face and I said, I, I got, I got to grab at least one. Yeah. And <laughs> That's he it is, exactly. You stepped up. You were the person who stepped up. You and now to do it. Yeah. And now he's, he is a little, I call him a 13 year old kitten because he, <laughs> he plays and my younger cats look at him like, dude, can you slow down for a minute? He is, <laughs> he's you young know, at heart. Yeah. you know, the report said not responding needs to get out of here. I think they copy and paste those things. Because it's so it's, true, though, for so many cats, all they need is that one person who connects with them, that one person who gives them, you know, time of day and just a couple of minutes outside of the shelter. And you can see already yeah. what what a difference it makes. Literally within a day, you know, the first night was rough for him, but with literally within like oh. with within like a, a day or two that week, you saw him like completely change. Yeah, that's where fostering comes in. Fostering gives those cats that I, I like to say that fostering is what stands between a cat being homeless and a cat having a home with you and being safe. It makes, like, yeah, it makes such a difference. And that's, you know, I can't rescue a friendly cat unless I have a foster lined up. And if I do, it's wonderful. I just bring in the cat and they go to foster. That's it. Well, thank you for what you do. We'll, we'll definitely, I'm definitely going to have you on again in a few months. <laughs> I'd love to, to kind of, be here to kind of follow the the journey that yeah. you that you've been on. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank um, you for having me. It, it's just really great. Who was that cat that that was chiming in the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Pesto. Pesto um, got Pesto. off easy. He was scheduled for surgery today, but. Um, <sighs> fundraising mishap and we don't have enough so we, we're delaying his surgery and so he's very happy and rowdy today <laughs> he's celebrating <laughs> hey hey yeah. if, I, if i if i reschedule a doctor's appointment i'm i do the same thing oh, so yeah. I, I completely sympathize <laughs> it's a reason so, to celebrate for so sure. ha- enjoy enjoy the enjoy the delay pesto uh, <laughs> thank you again for everything you do i'm i'm so appreciative uh, keep oh, keep you. keep up the fight, and I'm definitely going to have you on again in a few months just to to get more stories. And I really appreciate your insight. Oh, thank you so much for the kind words, Dan. Um, you have a wonderful night. I really appreciate being here. So BK Rescues on Instagram, mm-hmm. find her on Instagram, TikTok, donate, foster, help her out, give her more traps, get her a car, anything <laughs> you could do. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. He too. Bye-bye. Bye. Dan the Catman here, and there you have it, good people. How awesome was that? I could have talked to her for hours, but she had cats to take care of. You heard one of them in the background, so I couldn't keep her any longer. So, Layla, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for just doing something for helping thank you for not giving up after miss andrew and and what happened to her and i think you did the best you could i know we never think we do and we always live with guilt i always every cat that i've lost i still feel like i never did enough and i blame myself we always blame ourselves but you did everything you could 
thank you for everything you do. It, it, it just warms my heart that there are people like that out there that care about these wonderful, wonderful creatures. My tailor is now laying in my chair that I was using to record, which means I have to stand up, but he comes first. He is just proof that if you just do something, if you, if you save at least just one, it starts a cascade of a process where, where more cats like him can get off the streets, can get the help they need, and can get into good loving homes. So thank you, Layla. Go find her on Instagram and TikTok, BK Rescue. Donate if you can. Support her cause. If you can foster and if you're in Brooklyn, reach out to her. There is never not a need for fosters. And I'm going to say it again. There is nothing. I suck at it because I failed three times. But there is nothing more rewarding and more necessary than somebody who has a spare room and has just a little bit of time to foster these cats and show them what they could have. Show them the love of a home. Because at the end of the day, they all should get homes. The end goal, wish list, bucket list, the end goal is that they all get homes. Loving, safe, fun, secure, loving homes. They all deserve it. Everybody deserves a good home, especially a cat, because a cat that's happy in a good home, there is no better feeling in the world than when you when the cat finds a good home there's no better feeling in the world better than better than love better than sex better than the best cookie you, you could ever eat there is nothing better when you see your cat just like I'm looking at my tailor right now he's falling asleep in the chair this was a cat that six months ago was about to be put down and now he's cozy, he's sleeping in the chair, he's safe, and he knows he's loved. And they all deserve that. They all deserve to be loved like my old man Taylor. They do. So do what you can. Be inspired. Don't give up the fight. And thank you so much, Leo, for being on the show. So with that, we'll see you next week for the 30th episode. And a guest I've tried to get for many, many, many weeks, and finally got him. And have a good week, cuddle with your cats, and we'll see you in episode 30. Good night.